constantly throws divorce in my face. Sounds more like a, a power play. Like I'm gonna threaten you to get you to conform to whatever it is that I want you to live under. Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, Five Signs You're Stuck in an Abusive Relationship. That's the one. And this is going to be hopefully highly informative because we're looking at real life scenarios. Right. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Here is a, an email that we got from an actual person. And obviously, again, we're not using any names. But we're going to go through line by line through this entire email. And we're going to start identifying the situation that this woman is in. And number one, why it is wrong. Why it is not what should be happening in any relationship. Right. And then what can start to be done about some of it. All right. Ready? Sounds good. Uh, It starts with, I've been with my husband for nine years, four of them married. So it sounds like they were living together, cohabitating for five years, and they've been married for four. We constantly argue because he never wants to admit he's wrong. That's where we're going to stop. Stop right there and do our first little tag. Okay. If you are living with someone who will never admit that they are wrong. Okay. Before we dissect all of this, <laughs> we're going to just take the email at face value. We understand we're only getting one side of the sure. of the situation. Absolutely. Here. And we're not worried about historic accuracy. It's not our job to go into someone's house and to say, now, is this all totally true? Is this 100% right. accurate? Right. This exactly. is one person's perspective. And we're just going to take it at face value. So let's just make those assumptions for everyone who's, that's their first place they go to in their brain. Right. So um, we constantly argue because he never wants to admit that he's wrong. If you are living with someone, well, if you lived with me and I never admitted I was wrong, what would that cause inside you? How, how would that sit with you? Well, it would be really, really irritating, first of all, because there are times that I know you're wrong, but you just won't admit it. So that would just be really frustrating. But I think after time went on, I would start to begin to question myself. Yeah. That's a of, real... Well, okay. He never admits he's wrong. Maybe there, uh, maybe it's me. Maybe, yeah. There's a term for there's actually two terms for it. One can be crazy making, and then another term that's been thrown around recently, and people are using it inaccurately all the time. But it can lead to gaslighting. It can lead to right. you start to doubt your own experiences and your own perception of reality because I never agree with your perceptions. Right. I never can admit that I'm wrong. Right. The ability to admit you're wrong, the willingness to admit you're wrong requires a level of maturity and self-awareness. Two incredibly important and essential things for any relationship to be sustainable and healthy long term. Sure. And if someone is not mature enough to say, wow, I really recognize I, I blew it there and I need to apologize and I was wrong and I didn't handle this well um, and they don't do that because either stubbornness and pride, they know they're wrong and they just want to flat out lie and they don't want to look bad or 
Number two, they don't know they're wrong when they actually are wrong. That lack of self-awareness. Right. That can lead to an incredibly painful and incredibly impossible way to sustain a relationship. Right. And and it's just exhausting. It is exhausting. That's one of the best terms. We're going to hear some of that later in this email. So she continues to say, he throws divorce in my face and that everything is his and that I have nothing. We got a couple things going on in this sentence. He constantly throws divorce in my face and not just threatens divorce because there are real problems, but it's a constant thing. It's just a, it's a go-to kind of, I'm going to take my ball and go home kind of response. Let's just throw in the towel. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds more like a a power play. Like I'm going to threaten you to get you to conform to whatever it is that I want you to live under. That's brilliant. It is a threat, but it's not a threat of divorce. It's a threat of destruction. Yeah. And he goes, he goes on to say, I'm going to divorce you and that everything is his and that I have nothing. I'm going to make you miserable, be homeless. Yes. I'm going to take away every level of security Every level of comfort, every level of emotional stability, physical stability, financial stability, housing stability, I'm going to take it all away Away. so that I can win. Right. And I think there are people who threaten divorce because they want to take their ball and go home. Yes. And that's kind of, I'm going to run away. This is the very opposite of that. This is, I'm going to do as much damage to you as I possibly can. And whether the threat of divorce is actual threat or not, just that threat to your security is enough. Huge. And the minute a woman is put into that situation over and over and over again, it makes it impossible for her to just relax at home. It makes it right. impossible for her to feel safe and to just be yourself. Right. Yeah. So again, the title of this episode, Five Signs You're Stuck in an Abusive Relationship. The first one is being married to someone who never admits they're wrong. Right. Okay. That's sign number one. Sign number two, constantly threatening divorce. Sign number three is this theme of trying to overpower someone by looking at material possessions. Again, threatens divorce and uh, everything that is his that I have nothing. It goes on to say, at least once a month, he tells me to leave his home and that he would break me in a divorce because nothing is mine and he has all the money. Again, like you said, that is a, an overt power play. That is a threat to security. Mm-hmm. Um, that is incredibly toxic. It always triggers someone's defensive brain. It never engages their relational brain. Right. It is, it is an attempt to overpower and to threaten destruction. Right. And typically when that's thrown at you, your natural response is to back down because, it, especially for a woman, it's like, that is all of my safety and yeah. security right there. Yeah. And... Um, you probably don't find a lot of women who step up and say, Nope, that's no. Yeah. Because that safety and security is threatened. Yeah. Which is the primary need of most women. Yes, exactly. Security. Clearly. Um, the next sentence in here, I feel lost and hurt and unwanted in this home. I don't want to lose him, but I don't feel he loves me. This theme is, again, kind of prominent of, I know all of these bad 
behaviors are happening to me. I know that I'm treated poorly, but I love him and I don't want to lose him. Why? Yeah. Why do you want to keep someone in your life who overtly, unapologetically mistreats you? That's something within yourself. That's something... Uh, it's in this, it's in the realm of codependence. It's in the realm of you're getting a secondary gain, something out of this relationship, even though you are still being abused and hurt. And that is one of the signs that you are actually in an abusive relationship where, you know, this is not right. And yet something is keeping you in it. Right. Well, she goes on to say that, then he forgets everything that he said yes. and he starts the loving period again. And that's what keeps her in that relationship because yes. she gets something out of it. Yep. I, I call it the breadcrumb bread syndrome. Yes. I'm going to settle for breadcrumbs. This is all I can get. This is all I am worth. And I am not going to fight or advocate or ask or expect or be willing to go out on my own. I have to settle for what I can get. Right. And, and again, this isn't the first relationship that this kind of thing usually happens in. This right. is usually a theme that happens throughout life and is why a lot of people end up in these type of relationships because one person's dysfunction functions well with another person's dysfunction right. and they kind of gravitate towards each other in, in that way. And that's why a lot of women move from one abusive relationship to another abusive right. relationship because they're familiar with these dynamics and they know how to function in them. But it's one of the signs that you are in an abusive relationship. Right. Well, and I also think that it's really difficult during that loving period to remember, maybe not remember how, how awful they are in the awful times, but it's, it's just so hard. If you say this person is a bad person because they're doing some significantly bad things, then, then you go, well, I can't say that because look, they're so loving and they're so kind and you, and it's really difficult to, to go, okay, a person can have loving and kind moments and still be a really terrible person. And just because they have those loving and kind moments doesn't necessarily mean that you need to stay in that relationship. The scales don't balance out. Does that make sense what I'm trying to... It does. Again, it's the actually clinically proven dynamics that happen in abusive relationships. If you actually want to read more on this, there's a great book by Lundy Bancroft called, called Why Does He Do That? And Inside the Minds of Angry and Controlling Men. It's a book that's been out for years and years and years, um, but it describes this cycle of abusive, hurtful, um, bad treatment of, of a woman and then quickly flips around to sorrow, remorse, promises, uh, gifts, placating, all of these things. It draws the woman back into the emotionally into the relationship, sometimes physically into the relationship. He feels placated and comforted again. And then the cycle starts over and he gets angry and explosive and threatening and demanding and escalates sometimes to the point of physical violence, uh, sexual violence, emotional violence. Mm -hmm. And then 
some sort of boundary or line is crossed and then he goes into the sorrow and repentance and right. and it goes round and round and round like this and it keeps drawing these women back in. That's why again this is one of the signs of an abusive relationship. Right. It's a good book that I recommend every woman out there and every husband out there if you want to understand if you're doing things that are going to, you know, hurt your spouse. It's a, it's a fantastic book. I read it in my graduate program. That's why I know the title. And it's been one I've referred to for years and years and years when I was a therapist. And the, these cycles are exhausting. They're just not sustainable long term. In one of the um, last sentences here in the email, she says, I'm told I'm married to a narcissist. I have no one left in my life because of him isolating me. And we, that's a huge. It is. We have no idea if he's a narcissist. It's not our job to diagnose people we've never met. Right. We don't diagnose people at all just because that's not what we do on this podcast. You don't have to be a narcissist to, to practice all of these behaviors that she's Correct. listing out here. Correct. Sometimes narcissists do those. Sometimes they do other things. So we're not worried about that title right. or that diagnosis of narcissist. But if someone is being isolated. Isolated. Yeah, exactly. Then... They have a difficult time being able to maintain objectivity. They don't know, well, is this behavior normal or not normal, good or bad? Because this is just, right. it just is. This it's is what, yeah. The only thing I know. And that is probably where I would start if I were to provide some advice or guidance to this woman, which she's asking for advice or, you know, please help her in this situation. Um, that would be the first place I would start, which is you need to be able to share these experiences with other people that you trust. That might be a therapist. That might be a family member. That might be someone at a church. It might be a best friend. It might be someone who's not in the situation and you can speak honestly about the things that are happening and get their perspective because you might not be able to trust your own perspective because you're too close to it. Right. And if you hear Shannon and I saying this is bad behavior, this is unhealthy, we're using the word abusive yes. relationship. Yes, because absolutely. that's what it is. And then you hear other people starting to use those same terms, those same um, descriptors, then it starts to help you ground yourself in objectivity of, okay, this is, even though this is normal for me, that this is not good. This is not healthy. This is not sustainable. This is not wise. If there's kiddos, we don't know if there's kiddos at all in the right. story. Um, if there's kiddos, do you want them exposed to these kind of behaviors? That's where you're going to start to get healthy or to start to be able to navigate this really painful experience. And then the next step you have to do is if and when he starts to threaten these things, instead of trying to move into a behavior that placates or right. minimizes those behaviors or tries to get him to stop in some way, in essence, you start to call his bluff. You start to go... This is the fourth, fifth, hundredth time you've threatened divorce. I'm tired of having that held over my head. I'm tired of you threatening that. And obviously, you're not happy. Do you want to divorce? Or do you actually want to get better at this marriage? Because I'm not going to have that threatened again over and over. If it gets threatened again, I will fill out the paperwork. Here you go. Let's practice a separation. You call his bluff. You cannot stay in a situation where someone continues to hold a gun to your head and then try to... Because of that fear, that state that you are in, you start to placate. You start to go along with whatever they are that's threatening you in some way. Right. You have to say, 
listen, either pull the trigger or stop putting the gun in my head. Right. And that's a great second step to do after you've talked to some people, some family members or friends or someone from church, so that when this situation comes and you say, okay, I'll fill out the paperwork. Is this what you really want? And he goes ahead and continues with the threat. You don't have to stress out and worry because you don't have anybody that you've been isolated. Now you have people to go back to and say, look, this is happening. How can you help me? Can I stay with you for a couple of days? Something along those lines. So you have your own built-in safety net. Exactly. Exactly. There are also online resources yes that if you are being abused in this way and you're trying to figure a way to get out of this um, there are resources available for women who are being abused Um, there are shelters available in the area that you are in there's hotlines you can call if you really are that isolated and you don't have friends you don't have a church family you don't have access to family members if you really are that isolated then that might be the next step and again those have been created. In fact, I know a couple sites that you can click one button on the site and the site will disappear so that, and then it doesn't stay in the history and everything. So someone who is this abusive can't see that you've been you've researching been how to exactly. escape this relationship. Yeah. Um, um, so that is a place to start as well. I don't suspect that this is to that degree. I'm not right. hearing like threat of life kind of right. things in here. Right. It's just, this is a miserable relationship because someone is behaving badly a husband is behaving badly and it does need to change all of these all these behaviors that are listed here have to change if there's going to be a healthy sustainable long-term relationship even possible right exactly he's going to have to recognize that he's got to make some changes um and that is actually one of the first steps I'm actually creating right now, 10 steps to marriage recovery. That is, it's kind of a based on the 12 steps that alcoholics go through uh, when they are trying to stop being in uh, addictive behavior. When you have a marriage as in crisis, you need to have a, 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 a very clear system and process to start getting better at that. And the first one is I've stopped lying, minimizing, and deflecting, and I admit that my behaviors have made my marriage unhealthy and unmanageable. This husband would have to get to the place where he right. could say that first step. Right. And if he can't, then the relationship will not get better. Right. Rarely it will get better. Even if he moves into the repentant, I'm sorry, I can't believe that I'm a bad husband, I did all these things, that's not this. That's not admitting that you have made your marriage unhealthy because that's just the first of 10 steps Right. if you're going to have a marriage recovery. That is just the abusive cycle being repeated over and over. Yes. So there's some differences in all of that. But there is a very clear step that you can take. Again, step one is... Get connected to other people. Get objective perspective on that. Number two, you're going to call the bluff. You're no longer going to um, try to placate or stop his behavior by kind of uh, going into that huddled position. Right. Picture the dog with the tail between the legs and cowering kind of posture. That's not going to do anything. You're going to have to learn how to... um, confront appropriately stand your ground advocate for yourself in some way yep and at first that might make things worse that's actually what most women are afraid of that yes. gonna do something that's going to make it worse you are not making it worse let's be really really clear you are not making it worse you are doing good and healthy behavior yes and 
for the first time possibly in this relationship he doesn't like that and he doesn't know what to do with that and so his only tool is to continue to escalate abusive hurtful behaviors yes that's on him that's not on you let's be really really clear about that everyone listening here okay that's not her fault that's not your fault that's his fault for escalating and trying to overpower in some way and if that's his only tool if that's the only thing he can do then the only other thing that you can do is to get out. Again, I'm not saying divorce. I'm saying you need to get the mental and emotional space where you can get into a safe place to now evaluate the situation wisely when you're not in survival mode. Right, exactly. You're not on the battlefield and you can actually make wiser and healthier decisions because you're not in that survival brain piece. Yes. So usually some sort of separation would have to happen if this behavior continues or continues to escalate in some way, yep. those are the steps that typically have to happen. And we're so sorry. We're so sorry yeah. that this one person who wrote in, if you're listening still, that this is your situation. Our heart is heavy for you. Yes. You do not deserve to be treated this way. You should not have to endure this as a wife ever. Right. Ever. And for everyone else who's listening and going, wow, it sounds like she's telling my story. Um, There is ways to get help. And it's hard to make a hurtful husband or a hurtful spouse change if they're not willing to or they're not wanting to. But that doesn't mean that you are stuck. It doesn't mean that you are helpless. It doesn't mean you are facing some hard and difficult decisions. But life can get better. Absolutely. But you're going to have to make some hard decisions. You're going to have to take some uh, uh, assertive actions yep. to actively change your life. That is scary. hard and scary, but incredibly possible. I've watched many, 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 many women take take those steps and make their marriages better. Yeah. And I've seen husbands, when their wives start to do that, they start to go, you're right. I need to own some of this. And it kind of wakes them up as well. Right. It is never the wrong thing for one person to become as healthy as possible and start acting in the right way. Yes, absolutely. That's not a guarantee that your marriage will magically be fixed, but it is a guarantee that you will be a better human being, a healthier and wiser and more mature human being by becoming the healthiest version of yourself. Yes. So that's the hope we have to give you in this, in this episode. If you want more resources around this, just our quick little plug at the end, securemarriage.com. That's where our online courses and and programs are that you can learn how to have healthy relationships. If you are interested in this 10 steps to marriage recovery, um, again, I always just try to find out if this is something that might be valuable to people. Um, Send us an email, send us a direct message on Facebook, uh, leave a comment in your podcast um, place, um, send up smoke signals, however you need to do it to get the message to us and let us know, yes, that would be helpful. We'd like to have that. And then I'll continue to kind of uh, develop this out again always creating tools to have the healthiest marriages as possible yeah that's what we do yes it is anyway a little heavier version again of the podcast episode but we hope that it, it for those who are listening and it needs to be where your heart is at yeah we hope that it connects in some way yeah thanks so much for listening everyone we'll see you next time all righty goodbye bye-bye